The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Gwen and Mercy Academy High School, the Sisters of Mercy, or any related affiliate. Alumni, we're looking for mentors for the class of 2024. All fields of study and careers are welcome, and we're excited to hear from you. Jean Jordan, currently a retired public defender, has taken multiple roles in life. From being a lawyer to a mother of five daughters, she's done it all. Currently a teacher at Notre Dame Law School, she spends her time sharing her experience with the next generation of lawyers. As for her Gwinnett experience, Jean was a member of various clubs and classes and went to college for a degree in American history, which some years later led to her career in law, which is still highly valued. With such an interesting life and so many stories to tell, we are so excited to have you here with us today, Jean. Hello, I'm Erin, the Director of Alumni Engagement. Thank you so much for chatting with us. It's so lovely to, to meet you via Zoom. Well, it's nice to meet you too. And uh, I take it that these are also the two students who are going to ask questions. Yes. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah. Hi, I'm Sophie Rines. I'm a senior this year. Hi. Hi, Sophie. Hi, I'm Lucy and I'm a sophomore right now. Okay. Hi, Lucy. Yeah. So you've got two of our our all-star podcasters here um, ready to go. And um, so yeah, we're excited to, to chat. And I believe Lucy is going to start us off. So about your time at Gwynedd, what made you choose Gwynedd for high school? Basically because I won a partial scholarship to Gwynedd. And um, it was both my wish and my parents that I attend some academy after the eighth grade. So Gwynedd won out by (laughs) the (laughs) offer of the scholarship. And while you were here at Gwynedd, did you have any favorite classes, activities, clubs? Well, my favorite class was history, just because that's a topic that I really enjoy. Um, But definitely following sporting activities uh, and the ability then at Gwynedd that you could like start your own sport. (laughs) All you needed was a handful of people who wanted to say, yes, I want to participate (laughs) on that in that team. Um, And so from time to time, we put together more than the two basics, which were basketball and hockey, field hockey, and created swimming and bowling and horsemanship and tennis if there were enough people who were good thought they were good at it (laughs) uh, then Gwen had sponsored us as a team oh wow that sounds incredible yeah and even today (laughs) there's still like people making clubs and sports yeah absolutely podcast club didn't exist until before last year so uh or before last year so it's yeah, Gwen is definitely good at supporting uh, the students to, you know, feel empowered to to do whatever they want. Yeah. And speaking of support at Gwen, were there any teachers who influenced your path throughout high school and even college? Well, Sister Joanna Reagan has influenced my entire life. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> she uh, 
she did. Did she teach like a certain subject like that really you really like? No. Well, she taught biology at the time that I took, had her for class. Um, But basically she was just a person um, who I admired a great deal and um, whose, most of whose ideas um, and the way she chose to follow Jesus uh, was something that I used as a role model. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, here at Gwyneth, we follow a lot of the critical concerns of the Sisters of Mercy today. So um, those are women, immigration, earth, anti-racism, and nonviolence. Um, do you feel that any of like those concerns that we hold today have impacted you? Well, yes, certainly women. I'm the mother of five daughters, as wow. well as uh, being a woman in a profession at the time that women were not welcome. And um, race, because once I did start to practice law, I practiced criminal law as a public defender, prosecutor, or judge, and race always entered into those jobs. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you, how do you feel like you combated those things? Um, well, I tried to <laughs> say regarding uh, the jobs, uh, I would repeat over and over, I am 36 years old. I have five daughters. I can do this. Um, and I never found that the job challenges were as great as the daughter challenges. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like when it helped to prepare you for like those situations, like in college and your career and like life in general? Well, yeah, I think that there is a great advantage um, to being in doing academics with only women. And um, it, encourages you, I think, to be probably, perhaps, I should say, most of us more courageous than we might otherwise be when we are in opposition to people in authority and or in disagreement. Um, And we learn to do that, I think, um, in a way that is responsible without an extraordinary effort to please (laughs) and or, you know, not risk insulting somebody uh, because we disagreed with them. Absolutely. So when you were a senior in high school, did you know that you wanted to go into law? No. In short, absolutely. It never occurred to me. How did you discover that was potentially a path that you could take? Was it um, something that you even thought about when you were in high school or did it come much later? It came much, much later. Um, In high school, quite frankly, I wanted to be a sister of mercy. Uh, Also a great profession. (laughs) (laughs) I did not pursue that uh, beyond signing up and I never showed up uh, for the (laughs) first steps of being a postulant. However, when I was in my 30s and it was 
clear to me that um, it was time to think about a profession. And as a history major, I hate to tell you this, uh, as a college student, you are unprepared to get a job. Um, and so you have to start thinking about what you might like to do. And at that point, at age 32, it occurred to me that being a lawyer might be something I'd like to do. During college, did you think you wanted to pursue like a different field of history or like, was there something that you really wanted to do with the history? Um, you know, I mostly didn't think of history as a, a profession kind of a thing uh, because as you might learn, <laughs> the only way you can make history a profession is by getting a master's or a, or a PhD in it uh, and teaching at the high school or college level. Um, I just was interested in it as a topic and believe it or not, back in the 50s, nobody ever questioned the fact that you could get a liberal arts education with absolutely no job in mind. Uh, that's not true anymore, uh, as I understand it. People go to school to learn how to do something that they plan on as part of their professional future. Yeah. And so you studied, so you went and studied history, you graduated, and then you said you didn't actually go, you know, to pursue law until you were 32. So what did you do right after college? Right after college, I went to a high, well, first of all, I got married uh, within two months of graduating. And mm -hmm. I went to Ohio University uh, to work, to do the classwork for a master's degree in American history. Um, I also, within the first seven years of my post-college career, had five children. Um, so, so that's probably, that's <laughs> what I did, actually. And I never did get my master's degree. Wow. But so that's, so five daughters right. before um, you even went on to pursue law. So that is, right. that's a whole lot on your plate. But so what kind of made you know, like, okay, I am prepared to take on this additional huge commitment and going to law school and becoming a lawyer um, while you still have five kids at home and you're managing all of that? Like, how did you know you could do it? I didn't actually know I could do it, uh, but I was willing to try. And I pretty much thought, well, if I flunk out, I'll just go back to doing what I did before, which was stay home and take care of five daughters. Uh, and as it turned out, I didn't flunk out. So that was <laughs> a very good thing. And the, um, my husband had imposed just one very strong suggestion. And that was that I not get a job in a firm. Okay. That he wanted me to be able to control my time. Uh, and so another woman and I began a law firm and I got a job part-time as a public defender in order to earn some money <laughs> as a lawyer. 
That's awesome. So you kind of had to become a lawyer and own your own business as well so that you could have some control over your own personal schedule, be able to be with the family. That's, that's a lot on your plate, but that's really impressive. Well, it was much better than, you know, at the time, the idea was quote, the law is a jealous mistress. And that if you weren't prepared to give it 80 hours a week, uh, you were not welcome as an associate in a law firm. So so you basically and had I to make your own rules, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So you kind of had to take things into your own hands and, and right. make it work for you. That's great. And so you were the first female public defender, first female deputy prosecuting attorney, first female superior court judge in St. Joseph County, Indiana. So what was that like being the first woman in all of those different roles? I'm sure that was pretty overwhelming. Um. Well, I think the words today are challenging. You know, sure. what we used to say was awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was very fortunate, though. There were people who were very helpful to me, and I did not hesitate to turn to them uh, for, for help, um, in spite of the fact that it was otherwise a kind of lonely spot to be in. And was there any kind of advice that these people imparted on you that made it easier, or, you know, helped you kind of get through it? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I, I literally would ask them very, a very specific question. Like you don't need to explain to me what an arraignment is. I know that what I need to know is how do I know it's my turn? Once it's my turn, where do I stand or do I just sit? Once I stand or sit, is there something I'm supposed to say? And so he said, my people that gave me advice, a guy that did said, the judge will call out the name of the case. If you recognize the defendant's name, that's you. You stand up, (laughs) you walk up to the bench. The judge will say a lot of things. And then once the judge stops speaking, you're going to say the defense wishes to waive further formal arraignment and enter a plea of not guilty to the charge, sir. (laughs) And that I I mean, I was that specific in my questions and my mentors were that specific in their answers. That's good. Yeah, because you knew the textbook information, but you needed the cultural kind of like what you learn on the job information. Exactly. Um, so being a female in a male dominated industry, it's super difficult. So what was like a challenge that you faced in your career and how did you overcome that? To get the public defender job, um, the judges boy, boy blackballed me and the committee that had recommended my name threatened to resign. And the judges reconsidered and appointed me as a public defender. Um, I personally, you know, just needed, uh, with that understanding, needed to um, just do it. (laughs) And, you know, look it up, ask people questions, do research. And eventually, I learned how to do it. And 
eventually got to be pretty good at doing it. So um, I have no advice for anybody except uh, to do those things, you know, to, to do the work yourself and to ask people for help and then just do it. Absolutely. So um, as we were talking about before, you said that you have a lot of different roles. Um, could you like describe the difference between a public defender, deputy prosecuting attorney, and a superior court judge? Sure. A public defender is appointed to represent and advocate on behalf of people who are indigent and mostly in criminal cases, uh, sometimes in mental health issues also. Um, your job is to get the best result for, for your client and to, quite frankly, keep the prosecutors honest. Uh, a deputy prosecutor's job is to uh, present evidence. And, well, first to determine a, a charge, to make a decision as to whether the charge can be proven beyond a reasonable doubt and then put the evidence both in front of the defense and maybe eventually uh, a jury or a judge uh, to prove the case. And a judge essentially presides over uh, enforce, not the enforcement of the law, but uh, those advocates that are seeking resolution. That's about it. <laughs> So I know you're also retired now, but you're still involved with the law by teaching at Notre Dame. Um, what drew you to like go into teaching after so many years of practicing law? Okay, I began teaching trial skills, which is the only thing I've ever taught. Um, back in 1977, when I had only been a public defender for two years. And I, when I retired, then I started teaching almost as a profession for the National Institute of Trial Advocacy uh, and continued at the law school. It's a kind of a part-time teacher's job. What's your favorite part about teaching? Oh, teaching is, you know, the best of fun. <laughs> um, and uh, it's especially helpful when you are teaching a skill that people know they want to get better at practicing and you're just giving them tips essentially and uh, the basic rules on how to do it. So it sounds like you're kind of passing along some of those tips your mentors gave you for the kind of the nuts and bolts of how to handle a courtroom. Yes. Well, certainly the National Institute has very fixed ideas about how things are supposed to go. And so, um, the way you teach is uh, people are given a, a problem and they're asked to do the examination as if they were at in court and you sit and listen and then hopefully make helpful suggestions on how people could improve what they did. So it's not lecturing so much, and but actually, um, it very much more interactive. Yes, yeah. And you truly have achieved so much in your life. Is there anything you still want to accomplish? Oh yeah, there definitely is. Um, 
how to have the last step of your journey, which is, you know, from quite frankly, old age, when your body starts giving out uh, to the time that you die and what you do in between. Um, I read a, an article recently uh, in the National Catholic Reporter where uh, the author talked about when one is done with doing, that you then live uh, in and face the challenges, quite frankly, of, of old age. Um, so it's a new journey. <laughs> and I'm doing the same thing I used to do, <laughs> which is turning to mentors to learn how to do it, you know, better than, uh, as a friend of mine once said, the doctor came in, my friend was dying and he said, well, how are you doing? And my friend said back, well, I don't know. I never did this before. <laughs> and I don't think I'll ever get a chance to do it again. <laughs> I.e. die. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to have a sense of humor about it, for sure. <laughs> so with so many roles in your life, uh, what do you like to do for fun in your free time? Some of your hobbies? Well, I... Uh, I garden and I read and I um, love to have people over for dinner and or join with uh, friends. I have a Zoom meeting that has been going on now for 15 years. Pre-Zoom, we met in person, um, which is sort of like a book club. Uh, so those are the things I enjoy. Oh, very nice. And to say nothing of, you know, my own family and being with my daughters and grandchildren. That's great. Are they all close by or do you have to travel pretty far for, to see them? No, I have four of my five daughters live in Madison, Wisconsin, which is about five hours away. And um, my husband died this past July. And so I am now making arrangements of, uh, to spend the winters in Madison and the summers here in my house. I'm doing the reverse. Most people go south for the winter. <laughs> I'm going to go north for the winter. And eventually I will probably live there uh, because I want to make taking good care of me very convenient for them. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you're going to have some chilly winters, but it'll be really nice to be close to family and, and have them all around you. That, that sounds great. Yes. So as you kind of, you know, look back on your time, um, you know, all the way from Gwynedd to, to college to overtime in your, in your career, is there advice that you wished you'd been given by a mentor or that you would give to yourself if you could kind of step back in time? Um. I would give myself uh, the advice to um, just to have more confidence in myself uh, and uh, to not worry about plans being perfect and or working out uh, that it's can't control what happens to you in life. You can only control your own reaction to it. So 
in many ways, I wish I was more courageous. I get that. I feel like a lot of our guests always say, you know, they wish they'd had more confidence or hadn't wished worried about what other people think so much. I know that's always what I think to myself too, is I just wish I, you know, <laughs> I worried less about what other people thought and worried more about what I wanted to do. Um, but I think that's always really good. Um, kind of bear, bears repeating over and over that, you know, just, just be confident in yourself. Right. And, and, and you obviously have so much reason to be confident. You had so many amazing accomplishments um, throughout career and family. Is there any one thing that you kind of look and say like, wow, I am just so proud of this specific thing that I've done in my life that you're just so glad that you accomplished? Um, actually, my pride is not in any of my own accomplishments. But my pride is in my daughters, uh, who I think have turned out to be amazing human beings. Uh, and they, in turn, have helped their children become amazing human beings. Uh, so I clearly had some role in all of that, <laughs> some of it negative and some of it positive. <laughs> but uh, that is the thing that. I find I have the greatest pride in, but I don't see it as an accomplishment. Um. So going back a little bit to you giving advice, um, is there anything that you would like to share for current Gwinnett students who want to go into law? Yeah, law is a wonderful profession. It really truly is because it calls on two things that I think that all of you possess. One is uh, academic intelligence, and the other is emotional intelligence. And I think women are very strong in the combination of two, those two, and ought to accept that as true about themselves. And um, it doesn't matter whether you want to be in corporate law and or in trial work or in every aspect of law, you pretty much are giving somebody advice <laughs> and communicating in some way. Um, and I think that women are really very good at that. Um, so I think it's possible to find a very satisfying career in law. Absolutely. Um, so is there anything else you'd like to share just about your life or your career or your experience? Anything? Well, um, I just would like to say that one of the things that I am very grateful for, uh, having gone to Gwynedd, is the fact that one of my classmates, Mary Trainer, uh, started Cranoleth. And so she has made through Cranoleth it possible for a lot more people <laughs> and me uh, as one of them to um, be able to learn and grow uh, in the five areas that the Sisters of Mercy have current currently part of their mission. Um, and so I'm really very grateful that that has happened. And I would 
suggest to you that you or maybe one of your classmates is going to do something marvelous like Mary Trainer did. <laughs> and so um, friendships will last for a long time. Absolutely. And for our listeners who may not know what Cranoleth is, could you explain um, just for, for anybody who hasn't heard of it? Sure. Uh, Cranoleth is the name of a, or, an organization and location, which is the family home of the trainers. And they decided to unite with the Sisters of Mercy to create a place which is very beautiful. Their family house and 10 acres that surround it. Um, and they provide opportunities for people who themselves live in poverty and or need, or they are people whose professions serve those who are in poverty and need. So people like what I used to be, a public defender and or nurses and or social workers might be those people who would be directly served and or women from the military. Um, and they also provide classes and instruction online and in Zoom, which I've participated in as well as retreats and places to go to learn. Fantastic. Um, that's fantastic. And yeah, so wonderful that one of your classmates was able to kind of help you further down in your career, you know, down the line with something that she was creating. It's 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 so wonderful to see the connections of mercy and and how we all kind of stay stay, you know, in some way connected, um, no matter where we are in, in the world, in the country, and uh, in our lives. Yes, absolutely. indeed. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us, sharing your career journey, your wisdom, um, your advice with us. We really appreciate it. 